Chapters 15 and 16 of The Life and Doctrine of St. Catherine of Genoa. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anne Boulay. The Life and Doctrine of St. Catherine of Genoa. Chapters 15 and 16. Chapter 15. I see clearly, said our saint, that when pure love sees even the least imperfection in man, if the mercy of God did not sustain it, it would grind into powder not only the body, but even the soul itself, were it not immortal, knowing that so long as it is retained, he must be deprived of love. I see that the cause of all these evils is that we are so blinded by the enormity of our sins that it is impossible to comprehend, as we should, the extremity of our misery, which is yet supremely necessary for us to know. When man is reduced to his last agony, and in that hour all joys flee from him, and all evils present themselves without a remedy, I cannot find words to express the great pain and anguish, which will then overwhelm his soul, and therefore I am silent. O oh, unhappy man, in that hour wilt see how much more solicitous God has been for thy salvation than thou hast been thyself. Then thy whole life will pass before thine eyes, with all its opportunities for well-doing, and all its rejected inspirations, and in one instant thou wilt clearly see the whole. Believest thou that thy soul must still live, when it passes from such injustice, into the presence of true justice? It is not possible for me to dwell upon this thought, for I find it so painful. I am constrained to cry out, Beware! Beware! For the matter is of such infinite importance. If I thought I should be understood, I would never say aught else. When I see men die as the beasts die, without fear, without light, without grace, and know how serious a thing this is, I should suffer for my neighbor the greatest pains that I could ever feel, if God did not sustain me. And when I hear it said, that God is good and he will pardon us, and then see that men cease not from evil doing, oh, how it grieves me! The infinite goodness with which God communicates with us, sinners as we are, should constantly make us love and serve him better. But we, on the contrary, instead of seeing in his goodness an obligation to please him, converted into an excuse for sin, which will of a certainty lead in the end to our deeper condemnation. I see that God, so long as man remains in this life, uses all the ways of mercy for his salvation, and gives him all the graces necessary to that end, like a benignant and most clement father, who knows only how to do us good, and especially he does so in enduring our sins, which in his sight are so very great, that if unsustained by his goodness, man would be ground into powder by them. But man does not comprehend this, and God graciously awaits and bears with him until his death. Then he resorts to justice, although not even then is it unmixed with mercy, since in hell man does not suffer according to his deserts. Yet woe be to him who falls therein, for truly he suffers greatly. And when I see man fix his affections on creatures, even as he sometimes does, on a dog or a cat, or any other created thing, delighting greatly in it, 
doing all that he can to serve it, unable to admit into his heart any other love, and, as it were, breathing by it, I long to exterminate these things which hold him thus employed, and cause him to lose the great reward of the love of God, which alone can satisfy and make him happy. Alas, this one word I will say about the just and holy ordinance of God, although I know not whether it will be understood. God has ordained man for beatitude, and that with more love than can possibly be conceived. And all proper means to this result he gives him with infinite charity, perfection, and purity, so that man does not lose the least atom that is justly his. And, notwithstanding how many sins he may have committed, God never ceased to send him all needful inspirations, admonitions, and chastisements, to lead him to that degree of happiness, for which he created him with such heartfelt love. And he does this in such a way, that when man shall behold it after his death, he will well understand that he never suffered himself to be led by the divine goodness, and that he has lost God solely through his own fault. Then the opposition he has made to such divine goodness will torture him more than hell itself, because all the pains of hell, however great they may be, are as nothing in comparison to the privation of the beatific vision which is caused by our own resistance. This is proved by divine love, which says that it esteems the smallest imperfection a greater evil than any hell can be imagined. What then shall be said of that soul, which in all things finds itself opposed to the divine ordinations, except that infinite woe awaits it, infinite tribulations, dolors and afflictions, without remedy, without consolation, and without end, and that it shall be plunged into profound humiliation and infernal gloom. Chapter 16 so great was the humility of this holy soul, that she saw her own nothingness most clearly, and would never speak of herself, neither well nor ill. She said, As to evil, I know well that is all my own, the good I could not possibly do of myself, for nothing can produce something. Nor would she speak, as is customary, of being wicked, lest her lower nature might grow confident and presume upon the knowledge of its incapacity for good, and having such an opinion of herself, instead of desiring the esteem of others, she cut away even the root of presumption, saying, I will never say anything about myself, either good or bad, lest I should come to esteem myself of some importance. And when I have sometimes heard myself spoken of by others, especially if I were praised, I have said inwardly, If you knew what I am within, you would not speak thus. And then, turning to myself, I say, When thou hearest thyself named, or listenest to words which perhaps may seem to praise thee, know that they are not spoken of what is thine, for the only virtue and glory thou hast belong to God, and thou hast at least in thine earthly and carnal nature no more conformity with good than has the demon. But when evil is spoken of thee, remember that all could not be said which is in reality true. Thou art unworthy even to be called worthless, because to speak of thee at all lends thee a fictitious value. Hence, knowing herself, all the confidence of this great soul was in God, in whom she was so grounded and established, that it was hardly to be called faith, 
for she saw herself more secure in the hands of God, her love, than if she were actually in possession of all the goods and felicities which it is possible to desire or to think of having in this world, and having placed all her trust in God, and given him full control of her, she covered herself under the mantle of his providential care. She became such an enemy to herself, that nothing but necessity ever caused her to speak of herself at all, and she would never do so in particular, but would generally say, us, and she said, The evil nature of man is pleased with being mentioned, and the greatest blow that can be given is never to speak of it at all, and never make it of any account, therefore do not willingly name it in any manner. And to her own nature she said, I know thee and rate thee as thou deservest, thou canst not advocate thy cause with me. And if an angel had come to speak a word in favor of herself, she would not have believed him, so certain was she of her own malignity. And, having this clear knowledge of herself, she was constrained by it to accept with resignation whatever might befall either her body or her soul, so that whenever she found in herself any defect or any pain, she would say quickly, these things are caused solely by my own evil nature, and of this I am so certain, that I know not how I could produce other fruits than these, which are so hateful. I never could do so if God did not assist me. But I know well, having been shown by God the imperfections and malignity of our own inclination, that we can never, except by the help of divine grace, do anything but evil. Good is as hopeless to us as to the demons, and even more so, for, unlike them, we have a body and a free will, which ally themselves to our depravity, and do all the evil they can, which is more or less accordingly as God abandons us to our control. But for one who desires to approach God, it is necessary to become the enemy of his enemies, and as I find nothing that is worse than myself, nor that is more inimical to him, I am compelled to hold myself in more aversion than anything else whatever, and will even despise myself and count it to be worthless. And, on the other hand, I will detach my spirit from all the goods of both this world and the other, which I will henceforth regard as if they had no existence. I have implored God neither to suffer me to rejoice interiorly, or to grieve over any created thing, so that I may never be seen to shed a single tear. And I have begged him to take away from me the freedom of my will, so that I may no longer do what pleases me, but only what is according to his pleasure. All these things I have obtained from his clemency. Now having seen me thus determined, myself said to me, Grant me, at least, the consolation of not hearing myself thus spoken of, for, whatever I am, it is necessary that I should exist in some manner. There is no creature which is not suitably provided for according to its needs, and I also am one of God's creatures. Then the spirit rose up and answered, Thou art indeed a creature of God, but thou art not according to God, and if thou wishest to be so, thou must first be despoiled of all thou hast previously acquired, first by original sin, and afterwards by the actual sins which thou hast freely multiplied, and which are more odious in the sight of God, than thou couldst believe were it told thee. And when I see thee more covered with secret sins than a cat is with hairs, I know not where thou findest courage to say that thou art of God. 
if i were so mad as to feed thee according to thy inclinations which are so corrupt and contrary to the purity which god requires i should do two evil and perilous things one is that i should never satisfy thee and the other that thou wouldest every day grow stronger and wound me more and more acutely and as i am myself full of evil thou wouldest attack me secretly and in an apparently spiritual manner and then no one but god could overcome thee speak to me no more of thy crafty designs for i have determined to disregard thee recommend thyself to god that he may aid thee and i also will assist thee by his help moreover i will pray him to consume all thy perverse inclinations and to restore thee again to that primitive innocence in which he created thee for otherwise thou canst never be satisfied no one can satiate thee but he who created thee and who alone knows all thy secret desires and can grant them without difficulty cease then to seek for other satisfactions for however abundant may be thy possessions thou wilt still remain poor and in want when once thou art satisfied all will be given thee which heaven and earth can afford know then that i despise thee and would rather choose to be condemned to hell without thee than to possess god through thy means for a pure mind cannot suffer anything to come between itself and god for it desires to possess him entirely and to be as pure and simple as he is himself and this being so how could it endure to be assisted by thee who art so hideous and who would always glorify thyself unworthily over thy achievements and although i know that such a thing could never be it fills me with indignation to find that i have even imagined it or that any mind should ever conceive it possible thus scorned myself knew not what to answer and never more had courage to assert itself it no longer looked either at the body or the soul toward heaven or toward earth but i saw it remained always by itself with all its malicious inclinations and had god permitted it it would have done more evil against him than lucifer himself yet as i saw that god continually restrained it this sight gave me no uneasiness nor did it ever cause me any torment or suffering rather was the effect directly contrary for he who loves justice is rejoiced when robbers are punished and surely he who being evil by nature desires to become good by his own efforts is a robber worthy to be punished in hell fire hence when i saw its malignant inclinations entirely subjected to god and by him executed and annihilated i was greatly contented and the more clearly i saw my own proper wickedness so much the greater pleasure did i take in his justice and truly it appears to me that if i could fear anything it would be my own self which is utterly evil yet when i saw it in the hands of god i abandoned it to him with confidence and never since then have i felt any fear concerning it rather i may say that i never think about it and make no more account of it than if it in no way concerned me i saw others weeping over their perversities and their evil desires and forcing themselves to resist them yet the more they strove to remedy their defects the more often did they fall and when any one spoke of this to me i answered you have woes and you weep over them and i have them and i do not weep you do evil and you lament and i should do the same if the almighty god did not assist me 
you cannot defend yourself, nor can I do so either. Hence it is necessary that we should yield ourselves to him who only can deliver us from evil, and he will do for us what is wholly beyond our power. And in this way we shall find rest from this, our evil self, which is always torturing itself to its own destruction. Yet when it is imprisoned by God, it remains submissive and in silence. End of chapters 15 and 16